0: Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Congregation may be seated. Well, I told you it was going to be good, right? All the music, all the musicians, all of you here today, all of you watching online. The only thing that could make it better is if we celebrated communion today. Oh, look at that. We're going to celebrate communion today. What a wonderful, wonderful morning. Now that we're here in the just a week to go till Christmas, if you can believe it, what if you were forced to give up something for Christmas, for this season? You can't have it all. Let's say you had to choose between the gift-giving and the decorating. You can't have both. Which one would you give up? Either you'd have the lovely decorations but no gifts, or you've had lots of gifts but no great decorations. Or what about this? Either you can have Christmas music, or Christmas food. I know what we'd choose at our house, we'd choose the music in a second. But if you can't have both, which one would you let go? Would you prefer a quiet house with lots of food, or the music of Christmas, but no food? Do you know the one thing that a lot of people give up this time of year? It's the most common aspect of Christmas that is left behind, and that is, Remembering the birth of Jesus. You see, a lot of people just skip over that one. Even Christians. You know, I'd love to go to church on Christmas, but we've got this big family gathering with all the gifts and the food and the music and the decorations, and you just can't have it all, so I have to give up something. I'm going to have to give up remembering Christ on Christmas. I'm just going to have to let that part go this busy time of the year. We're in the Christmas season, season of Advent. And if you wanted to sum up in one Bible passage what this whole time of year is about, which verse do you think that would be? I know there's a lot of them in there, and I've got one picked out, so you don't have to look too hard or think too hard. I'm going to look at John chapter 1, verse 14, a little bit further on than what Ray read in our Gospel reading. But it says this. John writes, "...the Word became flesh." and made his dwelling among us. That, to me, my friends, is the essence of Christmas. There's a story that says there was once a man in Africa, and he lived in a cave. It was December 25th. Somehow he knew it was Christmas Day. He was all by himself, though. He had no Christmas gathering with all the relatives, no gifts, no decorations, no music, no pile of food, not even a glass of eggnog. Can you imagine that on Christmas the one thing he did have was an old, ragged, torn-up Bible. And again, somehow he knew that day was Christmas Day. So, he opened up his Bible, John chapter 1, verse 14, and he read to himself, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And then he closed his Bible up and prayed, Thank you, God. Thank you. Now, at the same time, there was... A family in America. Their house was decked out with every Santa decoration you can buy. You know, the ones that you blow up and are on your lawn, kind of like the House Kitty Corner from Zion. They got a lot of beautiful stuff there. The house was packed with people that day. Bing Crosby was singing on the radio about snow and open fires. The table was just covered with piles of food. Children were opening up one gift after the other, and the adults made small talk in the background. A good time was had by all. And then one by one, everyone went home. There was no mention of Jesus that night, or the next morning, or the next day. Absolutely nothing. Now, who do you suppose it is who really celebrated Christmas? The man in the cave pondering in his heart the Word made flesh and made His dwelling among us, or the traditional jolly family gathering. And isn't it a blessing that you don't have to choose? You can come and sit, and I calculated this out. We have over 170 worship opportunities each year. Three regular services every weekend, Advent, Lent, and a lot of the special services. 170 opportunities where you can come together in person, come together online to be able to share with one another the great joy that we have, not only at Christmas time but all year long. What a blessing. We have all these times to gather and ponder the miracle of God, that the Word became flesh, that God became human. What we hear today in John chapter 1. Now thinking about John chapter 1, very specific that John used the word, word, logos. We know, because we're all pretty smart and we've heard the story before, most likely, that the word actually means Jesus. So John chapter 1, the first two verses, in the beginning was the word, you could put Jesus there, and the word was God, and the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, he was in the beginning with God. You could use the word Jesus in place of the word, word. Isn't that amazing? To think that before, even the first Christmas, the Son existed as one person of the Trinity. You know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But then in that manger in Bethlehem, on that first Christmas Eve, the full love of our triune God was on display as something brand new took place, something never seen before. We now have a God-man, Jesus. God incarnate as a human being. The final solution to mankind's sin problem, born of a virgin and laid in a manger. This is, in reality, the greatest Christmas gift that anyone could ever give. Savior of the entire universe in human form. And so much more. Do you know why the Gospel of John calls Jesus the Word? Well, in Old Testament times, if you wanted to see God, where did you look? Where did you go? What did you think of? Well, in Old Testament times, you could, as we can do today, look around at the natural world, and we can kind of get an idea of God, see glimpses of God. But to get a real clear picture of God, we need to do what? We need to open up Scripture. We need to look at the Word in Scripture. Now, in Old Testament times, and even later than that, historians tell us that the regular population, most of the people, they couldn't read. And even if they could read, most of them would not have access to those scrolls in the temple. So what did most people do? They would have to listen. To see God, they would have to listen. If I wanted to know more about God, I'd have to go to the temple or the synagogue. I'd have to close my eyes And I would hear the word of God. I would hear about the amazing stories, the gracious promises, even the warnings and the blessings. Those words are how I would see God. But, friends, on that very first Christmas, everything changed. The word became flesh and blood. And now instead of being some far away and distant being, God gets up close and personal with us. He becomes human. Just think about that. You could, if you wanted to, jump on a plane this afternoon and tomorrow be where that incarnate Son of God talked, preached, teached, spoke, jumped in the river, jumped in the lake, all sorts of different things. You could be there yourself and see those places. And I know that many of you have been there. But isn't that amazing? That God, before he became human, before he stepped on our planet, he gave himself the name Jesus. Have you thought about that before? The only infant who ever named himself. Right? Because he sent Gabriel to Mary and Joseph. And said, you will name the baby Jesus. You ever thought about that? You see, this aspect of our Christmas celebration is what sets Christianity apart from all other world religions. Because only in Christianity does God become human. In all other religions, God kind of keeps his distance. But our God, he didn't just write us a letter or send us a representative. He, He didn't bring his entourage to come visit us. He actually became one of us. He spent nine months in the womb And he put on the same human flesh that you and I wear right now. Isn't that amazing? Ran across another story about an old man. They called him crazy. He took care of horses for a living. That's not what made him crazy. But every year, around this time of the year, this man would lock himself out of his nice warm home, move into the barn with his horses. He'd sleep there with them. He'd eat their food, he'd drink their water. Can you imagine that? What would that be like? I mean, I've taken care of horses from time to time in my life, and I tell you, I wouldn't want to do that. Well, one day someone had the courage to ask him why he did this every winter around this time, and he said, you know, I want to see what it feels like to be a horse. Well, the point of this odd story is that's exactly what God did on Christmas. He locked himself out of heaven and kind of threw away the key. He put on a human body for 33 years, allowed himself to be born into a a lowly peasant family, even spending the first night sleeping in a stable for animals. God did that. Why? Because our world was a very dark place when he arrived, wasn't it? And I'm not talking about it being nighttime. It was. But I'm talking about our world being dark with sin. You see, Adam and Eve had brought sin into the world, and ever since then, every human has been born with a sinful heart. And today, we can look around and we can see there's an incredible amount of selfishness and self-centeredness in our world. Have you ever noticed that? Have you even seen selfishness from time to time come out of your own heart? You know, deep down, every single one of us wants to be God. We want to be in charge of our own life. I want to trust in not some else. I want to trust in myself. I want to make my money for myself to spend time with others that make me feel good about myself because it's about me. And that self-centeredness and that sin, we all have it. The world is filled with it. And Adam and Eve acted in a very self-centered way when they sinned those many years ago. At that moment, the human race basically said to God, God, we don't want you to be our father anymore. In fact, we want to be on our own, and we believe that we can do a better job than you. And ever since then, the world has been a very dark place spiritually. Because deep down, whether you're Christian or not a Christian, everybody knows that there's, there's something missing. There's some peace. can't quite put my finger on it, but there's just something wrong. And the thing that's wrong is I have a broken relationship with the creator of the universe. There's a piece of my heart that's missing right now, and there's absolutely nothing I can do to fill it. It's like there's a dark cloud hanging over our planet, and it just never goes away. Now, this time of year, people try to make it go away. They get busy with decorating and snowmen and cookies and gifts, but that dark cloud won't go away because there's sin in our world. There's sin in my heart, and you know what sin leads to? It leads to death. And sin leads to hell. And friends, that's why God became human. That's why he stepped into our world to solve that problem. Look at verse 4. John said, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. It was when God stepped into our world as though a bright light had been turned on in a dark and dingy basement. Jesus, the light of the world, had come. In him was something that had been lacking in our world. And that something was life. Not physical life. There's plenty of physical life all around us. But the life that Jesus brought us was a deeper and more spiritual one, the one that God the Father had intended from the very beginning. And so do you want to have that unbroken, light filled relationship with the one who envisioned you? planned for you, anticipated you, created you, and is now ready to love you more than you can imagine? Because that's life. And it's only Jesus that brings that. Do you want to have a better understanding of where you come from and what your purpose and existence is? That's life. And Jesus and only Jesus can bring that. Do you want to have hope that in these 70 or 80 or 90 or even 103 years of life, that there's more to this just existence? There's something better. There's life. And Jesus brings that to you. Why was it so important for Jesus to become flesh? I mean, why couldn't Jesus or God just come down in spirit form and set up shop somewhere and everyone could come and listen to him preach and teach and he can set us all straight? But no. God had to become flesh because as a human being, he had something to give to you. Life. But to do that, he had to die. Isn't that awful? To be thinking at Christmas time, a baby born in a manger, but then jump right to 33 years in the future to his crucifixion and death. I mean, you don't normally think about that. But yet, when you look at that infant Jesus, you can't help but think about death because that's the number one reason that he was born human. That's why Christmas happened. You thought about that so that God could die for you. God became human so that he could be the perfect fulfillment of his law in the 33 years that he lived as one of us, and ultimately being able to take all the sin that he didn't commit, but that you and I commit every single day. And we're not just talking about those little sins. We all know that every sin is on equal standing with God. Every sin is bad. But we kind of break them apart and have categories, little and big sins. He didn't just come to handle what we would call little sins. Jesus came to handle. Jesus became human so that he could take upon himself those darkest, those most horrible sins that people have ever committed. Even that sinful nature that you you got from your parents, Jesus was born to take that away as well, to die on the cross with it. That is why God became human. And look at what happens. What does John say gets to happen to all who believe in Jesus as their Savior? Take a look at verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Believe in Jesus as your Savior, and God will make you one of his children. Isn't that great news? That God became a part of our earthly family so that we could become a part of his heavenly family. Jesus took on flesh and died for all our sins so that you, could, you and I could someday rise from the dead with none of our sins. You know, people say a lot this time of year, you know, Christmas is all about family. And really, if you think about it, it's kind of a meaningless cliché until you bring Jesus into the picture. Because then Christmas is all about family. Here, God becomes part of our human family so that we could be part of his heavenly family. So which passage is it that sums up Christmas the best? In just a moment, we're going to read that passage again. But before we read it, think about this. Just envision this. Christmas 2023 is over. All of the earthly stuff, the decorations are down, the tree is back in the closet or out in the snowbank on the street in your front yard. It's all been put away. But friends, the one part of Christmas that's never over is what we see in verse 14 of John 1. This is something you can never put away. And this part of Christmas is the best part, the part that lasts us all year round. Together, we're going to read John 1, 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I pray for God's peace to be on each of us during these final Advent days leading us to the Christmas weekend and that we can celebrate with our families, not only our earthly families, but our heavenly family. In Jesus' name, amen.